0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Brilliant. So, we wanna get into the word this morning. Uh, We've had some fantastic weeks the last few weeks uh, in terms of what God's been saying, what he's been doing. Last week, we had uh, two brilliant testimonies, one from Lottie, what God's been doing in her life over the last month or so and then we've we heard also from Michelle the journey she's been on their friendship and how God uh, nudged Michelle to kind of send Lottie a uh, um uh, uh, a whatsapp message with a song in it and she was like shall i shan't i shall i shan't i but she did and that was part of the beginning of Lottie's journey to then uh discover who jesus is and all the freedom that she's coming into and and that story is one of a number of stories of things that god is doing in people's lives You know, the world says lockdown or restrictions or you can't do this, that and the other. But the great thing is God is not restricted. He is never put off by anything that goes on that might want to hinder stuff, restrict things, slow things down. He still works. He still moves. He still transforms lives. And don't you love that about Jesus? There are absolutely no... Restrictions whatsoever when you're in the kingdom. Sometimes in life, in the world, in culture, in society, there are barriers that are put up, there are obstacles you have to go around, but God always has a way through, a way over, a way around. It doesn't matter what the restrictions, what the challenges, God always has a way and the brilliant thing about knowing God having a relationship with him is that we are rooted uh, we are on the rock Uh, we're going to look at some of that this morning and, and what does that really mean not just in our own lives but the bigger picture for us together as a community of believers you know when our lives are rooted in him when we're standing and building our lives on the rock of salvation that means no matter what goes on we're immovable unshakable because we know the one who is immovable and unshakable so let's just have a quick look first of all in um, uh, Matthew chapter 6 uh, verses 9 through 15 we might not read them all uh, in depth but there's a couple of verses that I really want to uh, pick out uh, in here so when, uh, when Jesus was teaching uh, not just the disciples but others he says when you pray I love that in, in that little section three times in this section he says when you pray don't do this but do this when you pray don't do that but do this And he doesn't say if you pray, he says when, because what Jesus is is talking about here is firstly a relationship with God, okay? So when you pray, when you, uh, in, in communication with God, when you spend time with Him, what does he say? He says, start like this, our Father in heaven, it's relationship, He's your Father, there's an intimacy there. Then he says, hallowed be your name. There's, there's an awe there, there's a wonder there, hallowed, awesome, holy is your name. So in that relationship, there's wonder, there's awe. Then what does he say? It's interesting how he starts with relationship OK, because everything that God does in our lives flows from our relationship that we have with him. But then what does verse 10 say? It says, then pray this, your kingdom come. So Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus shifts from personal relationship. And from us having a relationship with him, He's saying, in the context of relationship, then it's about God's kingdom coming. It's about God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the context of relationship that we have with him, God wants to do something on a scale that in one sense, if we can put it this way, invades the earth, invades the world. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he says, in the context of that relationship, there's a big picture. There's a massive thing that God wants to do in relation to the nations, in relation to the earth, in relation to the world. Then what does he say in verse 11? In that context, Give us today our daily bread. So Father, we want to trust you that every day of our lives as we walk with you, you're going to supply everything we need for that day. So we don't have to worry about tomorrow. We just live in the now of today, trusting you. And you're going to supply everything as I play my part in what you are doing for your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. Then it says here, as part of outworking God's purposes in order to be part of working out his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, he continues on. He says, so this is how you want to be in relationship with others then in order for my kingdom to come in the way that I want it to. He says, forgive us our debts. Make sure you're walking clean. Keep short accounts with me so there's nothing that's going to trip you over in your life as we also forgive others others and keep clean with others, keeping good relationship with them. Then he says, in order to see this kingdom come, he says, lead us not into temptation, don't want to be sidetracked, don't want to be taken off to the left or to the right. I want to stay focused on your kingdom coming and your will being done. Then he says, as how to pray, lead us not into temptation, keep us away. What it means is God's never going to lead us to be tempted. But what, what what it's saying there is lead us not. So guard us, keep us, help us, strengthen us so that we don't fall into temptation and fall into stuff, into sin. But then it says, but deliver us from the evil one. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying God is your protection. God is your strong tower. He's the one that you run to. He's the one that is going to, keep you then verse 14 if you forgive other, forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive you your sins Jesus again is doing a brilliant little summary of what does it look like to live the kingdom life on earth and he's saying trust that God will supply your needs for today keep clean with others in relationship don't hold anything against them uh, I'm your protection to keep you out of temptation, to keep the enemy at bay and so forth. So what does Jesus do when he shows us how to pray? He's saying, look, there's personal relationship and you want to cultivate that. We're going to look at a little bit of that this morning. You want to cultivate that relationship. But also there's a big picture that that relationship that we all have with God fits into. And we need to understand that how you and I in our personal relationship walk with God, walk with Jesus, walk with the Holy Spirit has an impact on the big picture of what God is doing. Because when you come into the body of Christ, we don't just come into as individual people living individual lives, doing our individual thing. When we come into the body of Christ, we we become interconnected with one another in that that way. And therefore, because we are a body in the same way that the body works and every part is interconnected, there's a reason why you have every part of your body so that your body can be healthy. It can function. It can do what it needs to do to live a life uh, in the right way. God Parallels are the life of his body in the same way, so your life matters in what God is doing. I know we said that in the intro, in one sense, because we like to encourage everybody, hey, your life matters, and everything. It's not a slogan to start a meeting, it's a reality in terms of what God is doing in us and through us. Your life matters, your relationship with God (laughs) matters, your faith matters how you live and walk with God matters okay because there's an individual walk where there's a big picture that God is working out so why are we looking at this this morning because some of you be saying yeah I know that Clive and I know all this stuff and I believe that God is doing a lot of reminders over this season during this time why because it's not what we know in our heads that we live it's what we believe that we live. So you live out in your Christian faith what you believe because what you believe has expression. What you believe is expressed in the way that you speak. What you believe is expressed in the way that you act and behave and everything. And so in one sense, we heard a message from Jane a couple of weeks ago uh, about praying in tongues or, or, or that was part of the message. And we, she used this analogy of praying in tongues. It's like praying in a heavenly language, a spiritual frequency. It's like a, a frequency of the kingdom when you pray in tongues. And there's two frequencies that are going on at this moment. There's the frequency of the world, but there's also the frequency of the kingdom that is happening at this moment. The world's frequency at this time is one of fear one of anxiety. Some of the world's uh, frequency at the moment is being expressed in anger. Some of it is in struggle, some of it is pain. Some of the world's frequency is debt. Some of the world's frequency is crisis. Some of the world's frequency is hopelessness, it's despair, it's negativity, it's woe is me. Some of the world's frequency is running scared at this time because of everything that is going on. And and not to be a a kind of negative person or anything, but the, the rumblings of the last few months are the beginnings of just rumblings that are gonna go on and probably get deeper and deeper in terms of what is taking place. And some of us, when we hear that, we say, well, not in our time, not in my lifetime. I mean, I've heard prophetic words, I've read Revelation, and well, that's probably not going to happen in my time. So, Clive, just cut cut that lot out and just give me an encouraging message that's going to help me float and everything. And and I think we've got to be real. And I think if we all have our spiritual antennas up, we're all sensing these days are are not just going to go back to nice and comfortable. These days, there's going to be more turbulence. There's going to be more challenges in life going ahead, particularly in the economy towards the end of the year going into next year. Now, we want to pray okay, that things don't uh, turn out as bad as lots of people are saying. But at the same time, there's a reality to things that are going on. But it's our faith and how we walk with God individually and together that determines how we walk through something and come out the other side. So if the world's frequency on the whole is pretty negative, Uh, and and hopefully some people are trying to be optimistic, but the general tone, if if it's negative, that's only gonna get louder. But there's a kingdom frequency that we are tuned into and we wanna make sure that we're tuned into in our lives. What does some of God's kingdom frequency sound like? It's, It's peaceful. So why do we pray in tongues sometimes? Why do we pray in the spirit sometimes? Because sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes there's stuff going on in us and we just need to engage our spirit man with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues and allow the Holy Spirit to be stirred up in us and allow God to speak to us so that we're tuning our spirit man in with the Holy Spirit so that in the context of all the world's frequency that we live in, that we're not of any longer in in terms of we've been saved out of being controlled by that frequency but we're still in the world but we now have another kingdom in us that has another frequency and one of those things is peace just knowing in the midst of everything there's a peace there. What's another part of God's frequency? Assurance. What does that mean connected with peace? Assurance says everything is okay. Now, some people say, Clive, that is totally unrealistic to say things like this. But do you know what faith looks like in reality? Faith to the natural mind looks uh, unreal, unrealistic. When you speak with faith, When God has spoken, you have a conviction, you have an assurance because that's what faith does. When God speaks, there's an assurance that rises up on the inside of you. No matter what the circumstances look like, no matter what people are saying, no matter what things look like they could become, you know, when God has spoken, there's something that is rooted in you that you're standing on that gives you an assurance to say, I'm not going to be affected by that. I'm not going to be swayed by that. Not because you're coming from an arrogant point of view saying, well, I don't accept it, I don't want to listen to that, and therefore I want to say something else just so I don't... No, 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 that's not trying to cover over fear. What faith does, faith replaces fear with an assurance, with a confidence that says, hey, everything's okay. Everything's all right. And you then speak things in a way that are different because it's coming from a different spirit. It's coming from the frequency of the spirit of the kingdom. What else is in this frequency? Joy. You know, uh, there's not a lot of joy out there at the moment, but we are a people of joy because we have the spirit of joy. What else is there? Thanksgiving. We're a thankful people. You see, faith is always accompanied with thanksgiving. So when we pray for something, a situation going on, we might be specific, Father, I thank you that you are Lord over this nation, uh, whatever we're praying for, over my town or community. And we pray into that, but we then say, Father, I thank you that you hear me because that's what Jesus prayed. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I thank you. I know that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me. Why? Because he knows he's being heard. Why? Because he's praying in line with the will of the Father. So when we pray, we can pray confidently with assurance when we live and we can say, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you're in charge. I praise your awesome name. What else is there a frequency in terms of God's kingdom? Freedom. The world is getting more bound up, but the kingdom is not getting bound up because we live with this kingdom in us that is a kingdom of freedom, a kingdom of his life. So we can live, there's many other uh, dimensions to God's kingdom in this frequency, okay? and we want to make sure we're tuned in to the frequency of heaven at this time. What determines God's frequency? There's a relationship we're going we're to look at. But you see, God's voice cuts through the world's frequency and speaks into our lives so that we can live in the frequency of the kingdom on earth. Okay? So today's message is really about faith in uncertain times, okay? and that faith is founded, is based on knowing him. Sometimes we say faith is faith comes from hearing, hearing God's word. Absolutely. But that comes in the context of relationship with him. So faith is founded in, in knowing God, in a relationship with him. And in that relationship, he speaks and then faith is released in our life to then speak and to live in the right way. When we've heard from God, we then know how to respond in relation to God and what he is saying so it's in these days in these times and challenging days ahead that our faith is going to be proved genuine what does that mean it means that our faith is real that it works I don't know about you guys but sometimes when I've chatted to people that don't know Jesus um, sometimes we think that everybody is just gonna have an argument and they want to know whether dinosaurs really existed and if they did when did they disappear and all that kind of thing or you know uh, whatever they want to ask but sometimes people have got a really simple question they want to ask in amongst all the things we'd like to say to them this is a question that a lot of people ask does it work does it really work does it work knowing Jesus does he really do all the things you say and he does it does it work why because ultimately many people are searching for something and they search in different ways to fulfill whatever the hole is in their life. And they're trying to find something that fixes or works. And the question many are asking is, does it work? And I believe going forward, as the world shakes even more, that the church is going to become the only stable thing, place, group of people that people can come to for stability, for assurance, for an answer, for whatever they're going to need in their life. How do we know that? Because the Bible describes faith as being sure and certain. And the amazing thing is in times like these and the days ahead and however long things are going to continue for in different ways, we can live because we're a people of faith with an assurance and a certainty everything is okay now to say that we don't know exactly how things are going to work out day by day step by step but when our faith and our trust is in the one who is the rock of our salvation then we know everything is okay and that's why it's so important at this time that daily we're cultivating relationship daily, we're carving out time and spending it with him. Daily, we're listening to his voice in the middle of all the other noise and frequency going on that we're tuned into the frequency of heaven. Let's have a look at Luke 6, 47 to, to 49. This is Jesus speaking and he says, "'I will show you what he is like, what a person is like, "'who comes to me and hears my words "'and puts them into practice.'" So it's not just hearing the word, it's it's the one who puts them into practice, this is what they are like He says, he is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock In our 21st century culture, sometimes we we kind of say, right then, uh, I've got to do something, I've got to take responsibility it doesn't just say something really easy like you know the nike logo just do it or just you know it's like mcdonald's you go in there and you get your food straight away and there's no effort there's no this it says somebody who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock So daily in our relationship with God, we want to be digging down and basing our lives on the foundation. What does it mean? It means daily we take hold of the word. Daily we take hold of what God says. Daily we're just taking hold of the word and we're speaking it over our lives. We're speaking it over our marriages. We're speaking it over our families. We're speaking it over our homes and our workplace and everything else we're doing. Why? It's so, so important because there are so many winds, storms, storms voices, everything else coming at us all over the place at this time even prophetic words from left, right and centre what's going to happen here, there and everywhere we want to make sure that we are rooted rooting our word on the I know this isn't a bible but I've got my bible open there that we're, we're there's the logos word the unchanging, immovable word from beginning to end And in that Logos word of who God is, he wants to bring a word alive to you, which is called the Rhema, bringing alive the Logos in a moment, in a specific moment is called the Rhema. God wants to be speaking Rhema to you every day. And what does that mean? It means we're digging down deep, lay lay our lives on the foundation of the rock of who he is. And I believe that God is, is wanting every one of us to take that responsibility going forward. Why? Because we're part of a bigger thing than just our own salvation. We're here now for the salvation of others. We're here for a transformation in society that we'll come to in a minute. Then what else does verse 48 say? When the flood came, when the challenges came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it, because it had been well built. So sometimes it's too late to do things. God speaks ahead of time, preparing us so that we're ready for what comes. Because we want to be ready to stand when the storms come. That's what it says here, so that it could not shake because it was well built so let's take the time now let's use the opportunity now before challenges become even greater to really root and base our lives in who he is on the rock of salvation but then verse 49 say but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation the moment the torrent struck the house it collapsed and its destruction was complete what does that mean it 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 It's the difference between knowing what the Bible says and believing what it says or what God says in a moment. Because Jesus is saying here, he's not talking about those who hear and act are the believers and those who hear and and don't act are people that don't know Jesus. He's saying those that hear the word and um, act upon it are going to be solid. Those that hear it but don't, They're gonna get blown over. He's talking to people who know God, who have a relationship with God here. So we wanna make sure that our lives at this time are rooted. Now, what's the essence under undergirds all of that? Paul the Apostle in Philippians 3, verse 10. We're only gonna look at like part of a verse here this morning from a time point of view. But in Philippians 3, verse 10, what does he say? It says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection now when you read the apostle Paul in the different books in the new epistles as they're called in the new testament you what you read with him is is the guy is on fire the guy wants to know God he's like there's a desire a hunger a longing and he says i want to know Christ now the word know there is is a is a a Greek word called "gnosko." okay don't worry about that for for a minute but it's really important sometimes because the word in English know just is well i want to know what does that mean i want to know a bit of information i want to know something about them i want to know who they are i I want to know something we often translate the word know as knowing something okay but the word used there in the greek is the word gnosko and the word there is is known or known it means this is what the word means it means to be personally and intimately in an experiential way knowing the one that you are wanting to know so it's not a head knowledge to know about it's a heart desire and hunger and a longing to say I want to be intimately intertwined with this one that I want to know. So when when Paul says this, he doesn't say, "Well, I want to know a bit about Jesus. I want to know, you know, a bit about who he is." He's saying, "I want to know him personally, intimately, experientially. I want to be so intertwined with who he is that I and he are inseparable from one another." That's what it means. And he said, "In that hunger, longing, desire, I want to know him in the power of the resurrection life of who he is I want to know him in every way I want his the fullness of his life to be so ingrained and intimately intertwined through every fiber of my being that's the hunger the desire that is there and, and when we go after God like that something happens in us where what Jesus prayed that we read at the beginning of the message this morning becomes more of a reality it's not just a prayer that says, lead us not into temptation. Because when Jesus said that, it wasn't just prayer line that says, Father, don't lead us into temptation. God's never going to do that. So he wasn't meaning don't lead us into temptation. What What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about in a relationship of Gnosko with the Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm so intertwined with you, Father, so in tune with you and the frequency of your kingdom that I want your kingdom on earth more than anything else. I don't want my kingdom alongside your kingdom. I don't want my life alongside your life. Father, I want to be so intertwined with you. I want to know you in such an intimate, experiential way. And by using the word experiential, I don't mean feelings. I don't mean just, I want an experience with God that makes me feel better. What I mean is, you know, when we talk about this word encounter, and, and God says, I want you to encounter me. And, and we say, I want to encounter God. What does that mean? It means, I want a gnosco." I want a Gnosko God, I want a Gnosko with him, that's what that means, to encounter, it means God reveals who he is, something that happens in us, it's not just a feeling, an emotion because you can have an emotion but then 20 minutes later you have a completely different emotion See, God doesn't meet you in your emotions. He meets you spirit to spirit because God is spirit. He's put his spirit on the inside of you and he encounters you spirit to spirit that then affects everything else in you. So God's not gonna come into your emotions and make you feel good. What he's gonna do, is gonna speak and move in your spirit and in my spirit. And as we encounter him and surrender and submit our life, then the overflow of what he's doing in us affects the way we think it affects our emotions because we then have his lordship in our emotions we're going off somewhere else now in this message but hopefully that means something to somebody somewhere okay but we want a gonosco with him okay it's not knowledge although in gnosko your knowledge of who he is grows from the experiential reality of knowing him so it's not just I want to know more info about God because you can you can read about people you can until you meet them you've never met them you don't really know them you might know a lot about them but you don't really now in that context of hunger that I believe is going to be so so important going forward as we continue to press into God uh, in the days ahead that is part of the bedrock of building our lives on the rock and hearing who God is. And what we do as individuals in our own relationship with God, we need to understand that as part of the body, we then bring that into the context of the body, which we see in the book of Acts in chapter two, which we've looked at quite a bit over the last few weeks where it says in Acts 2, 42, it says they devoted themselves to a number of things. We're not going to go into all of those this morning. I want to pick out a couple of bits. It says they, plural. It wasn't just individually, but they together. Yes, there was an individual response, as we've just been talking about for the last quarter of an hour, 20 minutes. But... It says they devoted themselves together to the word. Why did they devote themselves to the word? Because they knew that was the bedrock of their lives. In uncertain times, they lived in a Roman culture that was very anti-Christian. Uh, They were crucifying people left, right and centre. They were killing people left, right and centre that believed. They were putting Christians to the sword and and all kinds of things. They lived in a pretty uncertain time. And so they knew, man, we've got to build our lives and base it right down on the bedrock of, of, of who Jesus is and the word. Okay, But then it says they devote themselves to the fellowship. Now, fellowship... The word koinonia means the sharing of life. It actually means the intertwining of life. It means to participate in life together. It means to contribute to others in life. It means to distribute to others. You see, at the heart of koinonia is not me. The heart of koinonia is you, as in me expressing to you the life that i have so koinonia is about contributing distributing also another word that is to impart so the life that we have is to impart to one another so in verse 44 why is this so important we'll come to them hopefully this will kind of just come together in a minute right verse 44 it says all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, those two verses are complete contradiction to the culture of the world, to the frequency of the world. The world doesn't have, they're not all together and have everything in common. The world doesn't sell its possessions and goods and give to anyone as he had, as need. But see this is a kingdom frequency and and God has called the church he's called his body to live as a prophetic sign and symbol to the world. Why are these two I believe why are these two verses going to be so so important going forward? Because as the world continues to fragment there has to be a body of people somewhere that is not living in fragmentation but is actually living something that is prophetic, that is real, that works and the world increasingly looks at the church not as a religious institution, not as a bunch of traditionalists trying to just live to form and tradition everything else, but the reality of who the church really is I, begin is, I believe is going to surface more and more and more. And what the world is going to see is not people standing on a soapbox saying we're right, you're wrong, but a people of love that are sharing their lives one with another, that the world looks like Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new command to give you love one another. If you love one another in the same way that I've loved you, then the world will know that you're my disciples. What does this love look like? This, they were all together and had everything in common. Now does it mean they just had a big central pot and nobody had anything like that? No, everybody stewarded what they had in their lives but it did say people were selling property or, or fields or whatever they had and they sometimes they brought the money to the apostles feet so that the money or whatever it could, could be distributed there was that openness listening to the Holy Spirit but there was stewardship not ownership going on how do we know that because we're called because when, when, when you don't know God you, you own everything you have When you come into the kingdom, you now become a steward of everything that you have. Why? Because when you surrender your life to Jesus, you say everything I am and everything I have is yours. My money, my house, my cars, my possessions, my bank account, whatever it is I have, giftings, abilities, whatever they are. Now everything belongs to him. It's his. So we move from ownership before we're saved to now stewardship to when we are saved. And so what does it say? It says selling their possessions. Now, does that mean everybody sold everything and just got rid of it? No, because otherwise, it's just after, after a few weeks, nobody would have had anything at all. And they'd all be in trouble. What it says here is when people are in need, people sometimes say, well, I, I could sell that. I don't really need it. I could sell it and actually use the money and do this with it. So there's possessions that we have and I think one of the things God's been doing is simplifying some things over the last few months do I really need that do I really need the other uh, or whatever but then this next one because I, I said to the Lord why does it say goods there and, and what God said to me He said that's all to do with your ability to create wealth so the words, the goods there means it for the guys back then, it meant things like livestock or things they might produce as farmers or whatever, the goods that they produced that they would give to people. They wouldn't sell it to them, he said, they would give it. But some people in the church here, you, you're wealth creators. You, you have entrepreneurial giftings. You're brilliant at, at running businesses and, and creating wealth in that way. And it's like it says selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need, all of us go to work, all of us earn and therefore our salaries and our income can be part of the goods. But I believe there's, there's a, a, an anointing for people, particularly who run businesses or you're entrepreneurial. And I believe that God, uh, if you don't think like this already, God wants to ha- give you a kingdom mindset about what he's called you to, what the giftings that he's placed in your life that helps to create wealth, to develop business, for, for finances that are going to not just put into the church so you've got a bigger offering. That's not what I believe this means here. I mean, going forward, that, that that anybody in the church is not in need in any way. And that means those people aren't the only ones who are going to supply for that. But I believe there's a supply through those that are entrepreneurial, those that know how to build business and create wealth and, and profit in that way. Because as we go forward, the world increasingly is going to end up coming to the church in need. And as the church, we want to make sure, not just our own, but any church but yes as a church kingdom faith we want to make sure we have everything we need to meet people's needs in very very practical way with wisdom doesn't mean you just throw money away but in wisdom that we are the prophetic people that god has called us to be this prophetic example let's jump on because we need to pray and have communion isaiah 61 jesus when he went back to Nazareth and he he stood up in the synagogue and the scrolls opened, Isaiah 61, and he began to read. He had a certain thing in mind as to what this means. Now, in in, um, Judaism, there's a phrase called tikkun olam, okay? And it means repairing the world, making right what is wrong. Um, And that thinking came from a lot of the writers of the Old Testament and then leading into the New Testament that maybe you wouldn't, God is not here to repair the world you know in that sense and and try and make as good a job as possible he comes with his kingdom to transform lives and transform the world in that way but there's a thinking that goes through the Old and New Testament okay there is a thing like this that God's purpose is not just about all the individuals and have a collection of individuals that are in heaven one day. God's purpose was to come to a people, to form a people... That we know in the Bible is, is the Jewish people and, and the, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, in the Old Testament. And he formed a people that he wanted to show himself to that he could reveal himself through. So God wants to form a people to live his kingdom life on earth so that the world can see that's what God's that's what God's like, but that's what his kingdom's like. Coming into the New Testament, the early church, as they were getting born again, filled with the Spirit, a lot of those guys who were Jewish, they understood what God was doing from a kingdom point of view they didn't just look at salvation as a personal thing and we're just a collection of individual people that have been saved they knew and understood because of how why God came for the Jewish people and now they're in Christ filled with the Holy Spirit they knew this is about God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven and then when Jesus read this This is what he had in mind. He might not have had this phrase, tikkun alam, repair the world, but what he had in mind was God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he said, what he read about himself. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for, for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, and to come for all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be like oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendour. then, Now let's look at the next verse. This is so important, okay? Because you can easily take that as for individual salvation. But look at what it says then. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, and they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You see, this work of salvation that God is doing in us, in our relationship with him, this kingdom of salvation, if you like, is here to transform communities, to transform cities and nations. And this is how I believe God wants us to see who we are as a body going forward, that your life and my life matter so, so much in terms of how, where we are spiritually, what we're doing in our relationship with God as to what that means together as a body of people. That if you're going well with God and I'm going well with God, that brings strength. But at the same time, if you're struggling then somebody else who's doing well at that time should be able to come along and say, hey, I want to help you through the struggle to come out the other side so that God is proved in your life so that you become stronger in your faith and your walk. So it's not what I'm not doing very well and I'm not doing strong in the way he wants. Sometimes you're doing great. Other times it just seems to be up like you're trying to push water uphill without a bucket you know and it's hard work and 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 that's where we we pick each other up and we lift each other up but there's a responsibility that we must take in these days in this time that we're in because there are so so many out there who don't have a clue about who god is and what he can do in their lives and the richness that we have god wants to release to others final verse john 14 uh, verse 12 And then we're going to just respond and uh, we're going to have communion. We're going to pray together in a few moments. I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What are we going to be doing? What Jesus read in Isaiah 61, we're already doing that, but we're going to be doing that increasingly. Then it says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's just pray, shall we? Just wherever you are, whatever room you're in, whatever situation you are, just close your eyes for a moment. Father, we just come before you now. We just present ourselves in our homes before you. Father, we want, we want to gnosco you. Like Paul the apostle, the hunger, the desire. He said, he didn't just say, I want to know you. I want to know a bit more about you, read a bit more of the word. And he said, I want to gnosco you. I want to know you intimately, interconnected with you, intertwined with you. I want to gnosco you. Don't look at your life this morning and say, oh, I'm nowhere with God or I'm not where that message sounds like I should be. Don't let the enemy condemn you. We just cut that off right now. Where there's any condemnation, where the enemy wants to put anybody down now, we just shut the mouth of those lies now in Jesus' name. Start from a place of Sonship. Start from a place of who you are in Christ. Start from a place of, this is how God sees me. And literally wherever you are now, just say, Father, I want to gnosco you. I I want to go down to the bedrock. I want to experientially know you by your Spirit and by your Word. When we have communion, communion is gnosko. When we break bread and we eat the bread which represents His body, we eat of Him and as we swallow it, it's like it represents who we are in Christ and Him in us, Christ in us. Communion is all about Gnosko. That's what communion is. It's not a ritual. It's not a tradition. It's Gnosko. And if you just get hold of your bread now. When Jesus took the bread when he was with the disciples at the Last Supper, he took the bread and when he broke it, Jesus understood Gonosco. He said, guys, I'm not just going to be with you, as in the way he was physically there with them. He says, he said, I'm going to have to do all of this. I'm going to go to be with the Father so that I can then send my Holy Spirit so that I can be in you, so that you and I can gnosco so that we can be so intimately intertwined with one another that I'll be in you and you will be in me. It will be Gnosko and when you break bread, every time you do this and you remember me and you break bread and you eat of me, what are you doing? You're gnoscoing in with me, you're eating of me because I'm so intertwined with you. I'm in Christ and you're uh, uh, you're in Christ and I'm in you. So Jesus, we take hold of the bread or whatever we have now and we break it right now. We thank you that you gave yourself. You gave yourself, you went to the cross, taking every pain and shame and guilt and sickness and trouble and angst and everything. You took it to the cross. It was laid upon you so that we could be forgiven so that everything that we might face could be dealt with so that we could be free, we could be forgiven, we could be health and whole, we could become one with you in your resurrection power. As Paul prayed, I want to go you and the power of his resurrection life. We thank you, Jesus, that when you took the cup, you said, this is my blood which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink it, remember me. We thank you, Jesus. Right now we can go. So feel free now just to take the bread or whatever you have and just eat of Him by faith. That's what you're doing. By faith, you're eating of who He is. And as you pray, just thank Him that you're in Christ. Christ is in you. Maybe if you've not been, (laughs) had Gnosko with Him recently, or that's not been developing, then Father, I want to draw close to you in a fresh way. Sorry that I've held off from you. I've been at arm's length with you. I've just been doing my own thing. I've distracted myself through decisions I've made. Father, forgive me, I want to just draw back. I want to live in Gnosko with you. Thank you Lord, thank you Lord. Some of you, there's just angst and fear and worry, all of that because you've been trying to do things in your own strength, you haven't been gnosco in, you haven't been abiding, just remaining, listening, cultivating, so therefore the enemy's got in and caused trouble and angst and given you a hard time. Circumstances have overwhelmed you, reports that you've heard, whether news or elsewhere, have troubled you. The, the first-minute teaching that Pastor Collins brought is so, so important. The first minute, first half of that, God, i give you all my worries, anxieties, fears, everything else, and forgive me for not trusting you and all the sins and stuff. And the second half is, well, the first half is getting right with him. The second half is giving him all the worries and anxieties and everything else. And then you can put it all aside and get on with Gonosco with him. Father, we praise your name. Just feel free to have the cup and share that. If you've got others with you, just share the cup with them or or, or however you're doing that. Thank you, Father, for your healing grace this morning, your healing power right now in every person's life. Mentally, emotionally, physically, I thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for people that don't know you at this moment in their rooms. I thank you that you work in every heart and life now. Maybe some of you, You're like, I've never heard a message like that or I've never heard God spoken about like that. Maybe it's the first time you've even heard about somebody really talking about God in a real and personal way and you thought, I didn't know that was possible. And, and, And God wants you to know him personally. He wants to know you. He knows everything about you because he's God. But he wants to come into your life and he wants you to know him, gnosko him in that sense. And you can simply start and take a step towards him by saying, God, I want to start a relationship with you. I need to be forgiven for all the sin and the rubbish in my life. Forgive me, Father, clean me up. And God, I want to give myself to you, surrender everything to you. Please come and live in me and, and I give you everything as you come and live in me. It's like that's your starting point. If that's what's in your heart to do and please get in touch with us. If there isn't anybody else to talk to where you are right now after the meeting closes, if you want to please get in touch, info at kingdomfaith.com, info at kingdomfaith.com. We'll get in touch with you, talk with you, pray with you, help you in whatever way we can to really surrender everything to God and start a whole new life. So Jesus, we thank you. We praise your name. We thank You that You are so, so good. And Father, I just thank You that You grace us to live this Kingdom life where our lives are not the centre. We're not the be-all and the end-all in our Christian world and Christian life, but actually we're living for those around us, whether they know You or whether they don't, whether they're in our household or outside of it, we thank You that you're working your life in us afresh, that we live for those beyond our own lives. Because we understand this kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is about your purposes being outworked, and you've called us into your kingdom purpose to see everything outworked in the way that you want to see them outworked. So, Father, I speak your goodness, your blessing your abundant life over every person connected in this morning every marriage every family every household your abundant goodness in your mighty awesome name thank you jesus thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you